I'm Rosanna, and this is AFL Obsessed. How are you? I know we have a lot to catch up on. So much has happened in the last couple of weeks, so we have a lot to get through. But first, just a check-in with all of you. How are you doing? How is the year for you so far? It's been a tough couple of weeks on this end. I think I just finally hit a wall where I realized that it's been almost a year since Andrew and I have been isolating away with more space, and that's a long time to really not have social interaction in person. But it's also a long time not spending any time away from where you're living when you need an escape. And I kind of took for granted being able to change things up or switch things up by catching a movie or taking a workout class or even just grabbing a cup of coffee and working in a coffee shop. And obviously meeting up with friends like in their homes or for an event, I really miss that, and sharing meals with them. So I definitely am envious seeing the crowds at events in Australia. And that said, I know Melbourne just rolled in and out of a quicker lockdown. And I feel like the states and territories there have been almost kind of operating independently with their borders. I'm actually kind of wondering if the pandemic will wreak havoc on the AFL season, because It seems like there will be situations to handle and deal with right at the start of season, just like 2020. But I'm here if you need to chat or someone to talk to, aflfootyobsessed at gmail and aflobsessed on Twitter. And all that said, I'm truly grateful to have you all on this journey with me because it's definitely been an adventure. (laughs) And so I'm still here plugging along and trying to keep the podcast moving. So let's get to it and dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts on the week and where we're at now. So indoor dining just reopened in New York City last Friday on February 12th. And Madison Square Garden, MSG, is reopening for games on February 23rd. So New York is opening sporting venues back up to 10% capacity. So there will be around 2,000 people in attendance at that pretty dense and tight stadium, so hopefully everyone that attends has a vaccine. I mean, as badly as I want things to go back to normal here, I feel like they won't if we just keep acting like everything is fine. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, but probably one of the greater pandemic pivots I've seen that has been really different and new. I know we all miss going on dates or just spending any time away from the home, as I said earlier, if you're still working remotely and not going into an actual office. And it's been happening all across the U.S. and in Canada, just a creative way to fill empty hotel rooms and support the hospitality industry while still adhering to city dictations and social distancing restrictions. And they're billed as staycations where hotels are converting some rooms into private dining rooms and suites with no beds in sight, and you can have the room for a few hours and you can enjoy your private meal from a partnering restaurant, all at the price of just a night out in some places. Obviously, you can pick your level of luxury and taste, but it does seem like an exceptionally unique experience, and obviously that's a non-spawn. I'm not being sponsored by anyone for that. But it's been one highlight for me during the pandemic, just really seeing the creativity that has been springing up in unlikely places and industries. But now we're on to act one with AFLW chat. AFLW is back, 
there have been really great games so far. And if you aren't watching the games right now, I know you'll be in awe of the skills and the heart. I mean, some of these women pull such superhero moves on the field. It really makes me wish I grew up with the sport more than anything. And I just feel lucky to have Watch AFL with my club's international membership so that I have access to all of the games. And you can watch them on the AFLW app as well for free. But unfortunately, right now, I'm not able to watch them in real time with work. So I just stay off social media during for no spoilers. And I can see one this weekend, though, because of the timing and the time difference. But I wanted to talk about a brief history of the AFLW. So since the creation of Australian rules football in the mid-19th century, women have been playing the game and taking part in their own local competitions with scratch matches and one-off exhibitions, but it still took a really long time to develop a professional female league. And the VWFL, the Victorian Women's Football League, and the WAWFL, the Wowful West Australian Women's Football League, both formed in the 80s. And in 1998, the national program Auskick began. I know there were other versions of that within states and territories like VicKick, but the program was designed to kind of introduce the game to primary school kids, which plenty of girls participated in. And in 2008, there was a women's division at the Australian Football International Cup with Australia, the U.S., Canada, and Papua New Guinea competing. So shout out to my USAFL peeps. And there's also an international rules football with a women's Australia international rules football team competing against the Ireland women's international rules football team. So kind of a hybrid version. But also in 2008, a national competition backed by the AFL was announced. And that was supposed to start in 2013 with around four to eight teams, but was later postponed after they realized that the new teams from Gold Coast and GWS wouldn't have time to submit their bids in full. And instead of creating separate women's clubs, it was decided that existing AFL clubs should have the opportunity to develop a second professional team. And of the 18 AFL clubs, 13 put in bids for AFLW licenses. And so the AFLW Elite Women's Comp was established in 2017 with eight teams that were awarded licenses in the inaugural season. And they were Carlton, Collingwood, Melbourne, Western Bulldogs, Fremantle, Adelaide Crows, GWS Giants, and Brisbane Lions. And 24,500 people attended the opening match. And attendance overall for the season was 198,020 people. And the competition has only grown ever since. In 2019, they added two more teams, Geelong and North Melbourne. And in 2020 last year, they added Gold Coast, Richmond, St. Kilda, and West Coast. So there are currently 14 teams in the comp. And I know last year was an abbreviated year for AFLW, so I really hope they'll be able to finish out the season this time around. And round four is happening this weekend, and the matchup I'm most looking forward to is between Carlton versus Richmond, especially with a matchup of identical twins Jess and Sarah Hosking. And point of info, Sarah Hosking actually played for the inaugural AFLW match on February 3rd, 2017 between Carlton and Collingwood. Okay, so it's intermission, so quickly during this time, let's just cut away to other sports. I haven't been watching too many other sports, but I did watch the Super Bowl. I was really looking forward to the game recently because I thought it would be more like the 2018 Grand Final, 
but it turned into more like the 2019 grand final. But there was one notable aspect for me. Sarah Thomas was the first woman to referee at the Super Bowl. So it was really great to see that on screen. Such a massive game that's broadcast all over the world. But in some ways, I feel like we're behind the AFL. I mean, we've talked about Chelsea Rafi and Eleni Glafsis as female umpires previously in our spotlight segments. But this was our first woman that we had refereeing such a big event. And other than that, I've been watching a bit of the Australian Open and, of course, the Nets games in the evenings. And now we're on to Act 2 with a discussion of what's been going on at Collingwood. You've probably been hearing all about structural and systemic issues with regards to racism at the club, about an internal review, and of course there was that press conference and the ensuing aftermath. So there's definitely been a lot of buzz coming from the Collingwood camp. And I've been following the story on this end, and there's been some new developments. So let's talk about the timeline of how everything unfolded and kind of was uncovered. So Heritier Lamumba was a star former player for Collingwood from 2005 to 2014. And he was known as Harry O'Brien then for all of my Americans. And for anyone who doesn't know, his surname was changed when he was nine to O'Brien. So he corrected his name in 2013. He didn't change it. And in 2017, Heritier kind of lifted the rug to give us a peek on issues that have kind of been swept under it when he spoke about his experience of racism during his playing career at Collingwood. And again in 2020, when he called out the coach Nathan Buckley for his involvement in the process previously during his playing career and how it seemed to be more about protecting the image and brand over anything else. And afterwards, Collingwood commissioned an independent investigation and review of their internal processes and club culture, as well as responses to incidents of racism. And the club was very clear that the report would be made public as they've entered a new phase of transparency and anti-racism, and they were subjecting themselves to an honest appraisal of their culture and people. And on December 17th, at the end of last year, the report was given to Collingwood. And the report uncovered that there is a systemic racism issue at the club that has not been adequately addressed, along with 18 specific recommendations for how to make reparations and implement future processes, among other things. And also at the end of 2020, Eddie McGuire announced his retirement as president. This upcoming footy season would be his last And on January 31st this year, the Do Better report was leaked along with the findings. And on February 1st, Eddie held that infamous press conference where instead of apologizing, he led with, this is a proud and historic day for Collingwood. And again, from an outsider, that just was one of the more tone-deaf acknowledgments I've heard. And on February 3rd, 150 Collingwood footballers and netballers released their own powerful statement. And the first word of it was just sorry with a period. And they acknowledged the issues, how they felt responsible. They talked about the report and they pledged to continue to help create a club that allows everyone to thrive regardless of race. 
And on February 8th, Eddie submitted his resignation effective immediately. I think it's encouraging that Collingwood has just established the expert group on anti-racism of 12 individuals who will assist the club in developing a framework for change and ultimately provide community leadership on addressing racism. So this is my take. I have to say from an outsider's perspective, I see some parallels between our countries with regards to athletes in sports and how they've been treated throughout our history. And this particular one had some familiar echoes of Colin Kaepernick in the sense of kind of a lone figure having to face the brunt of a vicious publicity cycle and with people kind of unsure of how to proceed, except by having very polarizing conversation on socials with a lot of criticism and speculation versus focus on the actual issues. You know, we've had a lot of reckonings over the past several years here in the U.S., and especially in the last year, and we're still making so many mistakes. Things are no longer contained to one continent now, as we've seen with the pandemic. I feel like our stories are connected in our development and histories, and will continue to be as the world moves in that direction. And I've addressed these issues before in the Conflicts and Clashes episode previously. Anti-racism is a global issue. And in order to really fix or address the issues, you don't go about that by putting it onto the victims, but more about find out how to heal them and understand them, not to prove them wrong, belittle, or humble them. Their voice and life matters. So I think it's better not to ask what you would do in that situation when you are not that person or go through life as that person. You know, you can't have the same logic and apply it there because people have different backgrounds and experiences and life situations and emotional and mental states. You know, if you've ever felt trapped and scared, were you completely calm and rational every time? As for Heritier, there's a really great article by Russell Jackson if you want to learn more about his life and experiences, and it's called Heritier Lumumba Reclaimed His Name and Found Strength in African History. Will it change Collingwood and the AFL? And Heritier, everyone is talking about you, but I actually want to talk to you. I'm sorry you weren't protected as a young athlete in a sport that so many people love. You're more than just one story or one rumor or one narrative. I'm sorry you were loved only when you were winning and not when you were hurting. And your bravery continues to reverberate as someone who just wants to make the sport better, especially for future athletes. And now for the curtain call and the spotlight segment. I just want to throw some beams on Kylie Watson-Wheeler, who is the president of the Western Bulldogs. She was elected unanimously by the board in December, so she is the second female president of a footy club in the AFL. So a little about Kylie. In 1989, when the Bulldogs had their Save the Bulldogs rally at the Witten Oval, Kylie was in year 12, and she asked her dad if she could go. And he said, nope, you're in study week. <laughs> and she promised to take her homework with her. And she sat with her homework on the gravel behind the goals at the rally. So she is a lifelong Bulldog supporter. And outside of footy, Kylie is the senior vice president and managing director 
for the Walt Disney Company Australia and New Zealand. She has been at Disney for 17 years and has years of entertainment industry experience in multiple areas of business. And she also held responsibility for the publishing business across the region, including India, South Asia, and Korea. And I thought there was a really cool American connection. Prior to her appointment at Disney, Kylie was the director of advertising and brand management for Hallmark Cards, Inc., which is based right here in Kansas City. And Kylie lived in the U.S. for four years. And I really relate to her love of Disney and footy and kind of just living a magical dream life to me that combines them. So to Kylie, we applaud you for your efforts and we say encore for breaking not legs but ground in the sport and country. And now it's the after show. So following our interview in the last couple of episodes, Tunde just wanted to say thank you to Australians and all listeners for embracing him and listening to his music. So that's it for me. Thanks for listening and hanging around for the show. Stay safe and healthy. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like footy. I'm virtually hugging you and we'll talk footy soon.